Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. Uh, It is a great morning to worship Jesus. Never make um, the mistake of thinking that we just gather just together, even if it's virtually. He is the goal. He is the hero. He is the one that deserves our full attention uh, this morning. It's a beautiful morning outside. I don't know if you guys are up. I have no clue if you guys have already gotten out the house or if you're still in the house. Gabe talked about flossing. I have no clue how you floss till your gums bleed, but Gabe talked about flossing. I I hope y'all are up and ready to get into the Word of God. Distraction-free. That's one of the things we learned on Wednesday As we dug into the word and tried to see what does devotion look like, we said sometimes we got to remove distractions and move things out of the way. And I pray that this morning that would be the case no matter where you are. Take time to put aside like your spiritual formation of intake of the word of God is so important. Take a moment, pull the car over. Wherever you're going can wait. (laughs) Get off the train if you got bad reception. Get up and let's get into the word together because this is the climax of why we gather. So let's do it. Won't y'all grab your Bibles, devices, whatever you have. Get to Second Chronicles, not Second Corinthians, 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament. If you have a hard time getting there, it's, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, then you'll find First uh, and Second Chronicles. Get to Second Chronicles and then go to chapter 20. Y'all all right in this room? Everybody good? You good? Okay, okay. Give me a little talk back. It makes me go a little quicker if we, uh, if we can have a little talk back. Makes it hard when it's just dry and it's just me and the camera, but there's people in the room. So, uh, Speaking of camera, uh, I want to apologize for our technical difficulties last week. Um, certainly, you know, we are, we are back. The live stream seems to be working, so won't you share somebody and say, hey, they back up. Um, if you want to send them a little link of uh, M&M's, guess who's back, back again. You send them that and say Epiphany's back up and uh, they are running well. I want to give a shout out to Ed and the tech team. You know, sometimes tech stuff just gets quirky. It just it just gets weird. You Sometimes you have no clue why you can run your diagnostics and try to figure out what it is that is causing the issue. Sometimes it's just, just weirdness. Too many people on, too many things going on in the airwaves and then it's spiritual distractions and it's spiritual wickedness that tries to stop the word from going forth and the worship from going forth. But I'm glad we're back up. So shout out to tech. Can we just thank God for our tech team and our worship team and our sound team? And y'all have no clue how many little pieces it takes to get this service going. Uh, but I'm grateful for everybody that has their hand to the plow. Uh, before we dig in, uh, Gabe announced it one o'clock, which is in a few hours. So I said that you should be, you know, some of you are in the bed still. You should probably be getting up and, um, and getting yourself ready as we are getting ready to gather together at one o'clock at Restoration Plaza. Uh, this is not a service. Let me say that again. This is not a service. This will be a time of fellowship. Uh, we will have some food. Um, it'll be a good time of just engaging with one another. But I'll have a moment where I get to share some vision, kind of talk about where we're going. Uh, we've kind of been in this, this uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in a plane and you're about to land, but you kind of get in that holding pattern for a minute. That's kind of where we've been. Uh, but we're about to land the plane on a few things, and I'm excited about it and get to talk to you a little bit about the, the vision with the building and the next steps and 
how you can get involved and so that we can make sure that you're a part of the story, this next chapter of Epiphany Church, which I believe, I mean, I, t- I texted Josh early this morning, told him I needed to talk to him about a dream I had. I just believe that this next season is just going to be um, a season of fruitfulness. I keep hearing revival, revival, revival. I think people that you just never thought would have came to the Lord will come to the Lord in this next season. But a lot of it depends on you and your spiritual health. So let's dig into the word of God see what God has to say. So reminder, one o'clock, be at Restoration Plaza, be a time of worship, food, and uh, vision casting. All right. Second Chronicles chapter 20, pick me up in verse one. We'll only do a few verses here. It says this, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them, some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some of the men told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are Hazazon, Tamar, that is uh, Gedi. Um, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled, this is the last verse, Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. I know that's long, but just sit on that for a second. What to do when you don't know what to do. Has anybody ever been there? Anybody in this room where, where you, you, you had a decision to make and there was a deadline and you, you knew you had to pull the trigger on it at some point, but you just didn't know what to do? I think the text is going to help us this morning. Before we jump in, let's, uh, let's look to the Lord. Uh, Lord, we do slow the pace down. We slow the pace down because we want to get before you. We realize that when we're in our word, it's a conversation. You are speaking to us and we get to speak back to you in prayer and in worship. But at this moment, you are, you are downloading something in us. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to understand and get and apply what it is that you're saying today. Many of us, many of us have a hard time making decisions. There's somebody right now that has been holding off a decision because they don't know which direction to go in. What do we do when we don't know what to do? Father, I pray that you would give us clarity today as we dig into your word. May Jesus be proclaimed. That's the one thing I I pray every time we gather that Jesus would be proclaimed. I don't want to do no self-help talk today. I want Jesus to be worshiped. I want him to be magnified. I want his kingdom to be built. I want his followers to be strengthened. It's in your beautiful name we give glory and honor. Amen. What to do when you don't know what to do. I don't know if you guys know this, but on average, the average adult makes somewhere around 35,000 decisions a day. And some of these decisions, they range in, in importance. Some, sometimes they're, they're, they're minor decisions, such as what are you going to wear? You had to make a decision this morning if you're out the house, what you're going to wear, or what you're going to eat for breakfast, or are you going to check uh, TikTok or Facebook or Instagram first? Who, who, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Are you going to check emails first? All of these are decisions that we're making, and some of them are minor decisions, but there are also major decisions that you have to make on a consistent basis. What college am I going to go to? Should I invest financially here? 
who should I marry? These are major decisions, life-altering decisions, and there's no way around making decisions. All of us, you can cut down the decisions you make, but there's no way to go through life and not make decisions. And for the most part, those minor decisions, we make them and don't even think about them. Like this morning, you thought of some things and you made some decisions and you didn't even realize like you probably made a good amount of decisions this morning. But every now and then, there are those decisions that you have to make that you feel like you are at a standstill. Those decisions that, that, that you've, you've parsed over and you've looked at every angle and, and you thought about and you can't get anywhere. Anybody ever been there where you just feel like you have to make a decision? There, People are pulling on you. There's a deadline to it. And somebody right now is going, oh, he in my business. He, 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 he knows about that decision. I don't know about that decision. I just know all of us share that commonality in life. That there's a decision that we have to make and... I don't know what it could be, but those decisions sometimes tend to hinder us. And maybe it's because you don't have all the facts. Maybe you have to make the decision, but you're looking around and you're trying to figure out, you're trying to gather the information. You know, the Bible says, count the cost. Maybe you're counting the cost, but in counting the cost, you can't get all of the facts. Or maybe, maybe it's if you make the wrong decision, you're fearful because it's a high risk of of problems if you make the wrong decision. It could affect so many other things. So instead of affecting so many other things and that risk is there, I'm just not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna make any decisions at all. Or maybe, let's be honest for those of you who are transparent and vulnerable, maybe you just don't have the aptitude or maybe you just don't have the competency. I know I've been there. Well, people have asked me questions and I walk away and I go, I have no, I have no clue. I don't even know where to start with that answer. I don't even know where to start with making that decision. And nothing brings us more anxiety like having a decision that you have to make that is life or death and not knowing which direction to go in. And I'm grateful that we arrive at Second Chronicles chapter 20 today because this passage is going to help us with understanding what to do when we don't know what to do. I think y'all know me by now. I, I just I, I have a problem with with just dropping into Second Chronicles and not giving context. Right now, the main character is a guy named Jehoshaphat. Somebody in this room just say Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. He's not only the king of Judah, but he's the fourth king of Judah. His reign spanned over two and a half decades. And one of uh, Jehoshaphat's main responsibility, the same as his predecessors, was to protect Judah. His main responsibility is protect Judah's borders from invading armies. That, that is the king's responsibility. I have to protect the borders. And let me pause here for a second as I'm talking about border protection. As I'm talking about border patrol, I, I have been grieved. And I said, it, and this is, I'm going off topic here for a second. This is not inspired. Uh, scriptures are inspired. But I have been grieved this week looking at the images that have been coming across at our southern border. I've been grieved when I look at how Haitians are being treated. It, it's, it, I can sum it up by saying it's pure evil. Don't, don't normalize this behavior. Don't, don't think that this is okay. Now, don't get me wrong. Every nation has a responsibility to protect its borders. Every nation, including this nation. I, I get border protection, but there's something wrong when I see you on a horseback with a whip. Who approved the whips to go into the budget of Border Patrol? Where do you, Tamika Mallory said, where do you even get whips these days? 
Like, like how, how, do you, how do you find the, 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 the cruelty of saying, I'm going to get on a horseback? And this takes us back to the 1700s and the 1800s, especially given this, this country's violent past. And, you know, you have people that are coming from uh, Haiti and they're trying to flee. Refugees are fleeing violence only to come here to be met with more violence. It's evil. And I do not want us to normalize it. So let me encourage you to pray. Let me encourage you to speak up. Let me encourage you to get into some type of action, whatever it is that you can do to make sure that we are not normalizing this. I digress and get back to the text. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat's responsibility is to protect the borders. He has to protect the borders from invading armies. And the passage before us, there are not one nation that's after them, not two, but three, that have joined all together to overtake Judah and Jehoshaphat in this this moment aka Jojo has no clue what to do he has a decision before him how does he how does he ward off the attack from the his surrounding enemies how does he do that and he's met in a moment where he does not know what to do what do you do when you don't know what to do and unfortunately in these moments where we don't know what to do many of us say I'm just going to make any decision I'm just going to just jump in and I'm gonna just figure it out and I'm gonna do something but we end up making a a bigger mess anybody ever did that where God didn't say do anything you were kind of in that pause moment but you moved ahead anyway and you moved ahead of God and you made a bigger mess of things what to do when you don't know what to do well let's see what Jehoshaphat does Because I think what Jehoshaphat does in these few little verses can be palatable for us today. Look at the first thing he does. Watch how in touch with his emotion he is. It says, after this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites, all the ites came together. And Jehoshaphat, to to come against Jehoshaphat, says a great multitude said that they're coming against you. Let me skip down to verse number three. He says, and Jehoshaphat was afraid. Let me say that again. Jehoshaphat was afraid. One more time. Jehoshaphat, the king, the the one who is in rule right now is afraid. He is met with an emotion called fear. He is told the, the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Meunites all came together, three different armies, all to attack him. And in this moment, before he could take a breath, before he can make a decision, He first is overcome with a sense of fear. And I think many of us can relate to this in decision making. You have a decision to make, but you are gripped with fear. You set out to do something, but you are gripped with fear. Where you look at the project that is on your plate and you look at the bank account and you see that the money doesn't add up to the project and you are met with fear. Where you were hesitating to make that decision because of fear. I don't know about y'all, but I have been crippled one too many times because I've been afraid. Because I, I just was, I was scared. I, not scared, I was scared. I, I just didn't have it in me to make the decision because I was fearful. And, you know, fear is one of the most basic human emotions. It is probably one of the emotions that you are often met with the most. And I would say it's one of the emotions that you're not taught. Infants know how to fear. It's something that God has put in us when it's a high sense of risk around us. We go into a fearful, fearful moment. But I'm praying today that you wouldn't let fear stop you. I'm praying that, that you wouldn't let fear keep you. Fear has the, has the ability to keep you in that relationship longer than you were supposed to be in it. 
Fear has, has the ability to keep you on that job knowing that God called you to start that business, but you're, you're gripped with fear because you're looking around and you're saying, I don't got the money. I don't got the skills. Let me help you out today. You don't got the money. and You don't got the skills, but your God got the money and your God knows how to give you the skills. Why are we gripped with fear? Why are we gripped with such an emotion when we serve a God that does not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind? I pray today that fear would not hold you any longer. Who is it that's gripped with fear? Isaiah chapter 41 says it this way. Do not fear. This is what God says, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Let me give you another verse. Psalm chapter 34, the psalmist says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears, all of my fears, all of my fears, not some of my fears, but all of my fears. God's people don't have to walk in fear. God's people don't have to be afraid of that decision. God's people don't have to be afraid of the high risk. Don't be unwise, but God's people don't have to walk in fear. I pray today that you would replace fear with faith. Because the God that you serve, the psalmist said in Psalm 34, he delivers us from all of our fears. Will somebody type that in the chat room? He delivers us from all of our fears. Will somebody say that in this room? He delivers us from all of our fears. Can you say it a little louder? He delivers us from all of our fears. Jehoshaphat is afraid right now. He's looking around and he sees the armies coming and word has come to him and he's afraid. I ain't going to lie, when we set out to work this deal on this new building, we've been, we've been at this thing for three years, and the pandemic hit, and then we had to redo how we were doing worship, and, but we still were looking and still were looking, and the market just wasn't friendly, they, they, you know, churches just aren't trusted, it's, we have such a bad reputation, and it's, it's just, I'm not talking about us, I'm talking about the church overall, it just has such a bad reputation, and we, we, we're known as not being wise with our, our, our finances and all of this foolishness. And so I was gripped with fear when we got into the deal that we're in now. And the reason I was gripped with fear, because I looked at how much financially it would take and how much physically it would take. And fear is a funny thing because when you are afraid, it opens the door for the enemy to come in and start to speak lies to you. People ain't going to come. People ain't going to give. The people that you're in business with are going to be shady. And you start to play all of these things out in your mind and it keeps you in deeper and deeper fear. But I'm telling you today, that God has not given us the spirit of fear. God shut me up one day. He said, bro, we you talking about people might not come. You don't build my church. Matthew 16, Jesus says, I build my church. He doesn't give me credit for building his church. He ain't building my church. He said, it's my church and I'm building it. Now go do what I told you to do. And I'm telling you, I don't know who it is on the other end of that camera or who it is in this room that you've been stopped by that fear, but today be released from it. Because Ephesians 3 says that the God that we serve is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Jojo is afraid right now. He's scared right now. And in his fear, I would think would lead him to do some irrational things because that's what fear leads me to do. I get irrational. I get I get. I get anxiety. I get, I get, I want to move and I want to do things and I just want to grab. I don't like sitting still too long. I, I don't like pauses. I don't like, I don't like silent moments. Like, you know, ever been in a conversation you get silence? Just, this is awkward. You, you ever been in a room, like you, you ever been in a wedding and then everything stops and you're like, what's, I don't like those moments and I don't like them in life either. 
I like things to keep moving. That's one of the things I talk to Josh all about all the time. Something got to be played because I just don't like moments where there's space, where there's nothing. But God is like, no, that space is good because that allows me to get in there and remove that fear. What does Jehoshaphat do when he's met with fear because these armies are coming? The Bible says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. I'm in verse three. Watch what he does. And set his face to seek the Lord. Let me say that again. Jehoshaphat is met with fear and it moves him to set his face to seek the Lord. To set your face literally means in the original language, he was determined or he had a resolved. Nothing or no one was going to get in his way. His fear led him to the throne of God, not in retreat. His fear led him to get before God, not run away from him. In fear, he did not call his generals together and say, okay, what are we going to do? We got, we got these armies coming in now. What, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to strategize this? He didn't call the political leaders and say, let's take a vote on what we should do. He didn't call his cabinet together. He, he, he didn't even send out to other nations, y'all come help us. He went to the Lord in prayer. And many people would think that's wasted time. Many people would say, what are you doing? Do you know that the army is coming? Why are you spending time talking to God? Go talk to another nation to get them to join forces with you. The Bible says that he set his face. He was determined. He had a resolve to get before the Lord. And I'm convinced that when we are in fear and when we are afraid, some of us got too many options. We, we do. And so we, we try to pick which I'm afraid, which option in, am I going to take? And God is like, I want to be the first and the last option. Make a resolve. Be determined to get to me. And that's what I love about the God that I serve, that he welcomes my fears. He says, come to me, those of you who are afraid. Come to me with your concerns. Come to me with your worries. Come to me with your anxieties. God must be the first and the last. There's many verses that talk about seeking him first. Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord. And I'd argue that one of the reasons that Jehoshaphat found it so natural to seek the Lord and not be anxious in this moment is because if you look at the history of Jehoshaphat, that's all he ever did. Chapter 17, he does the same thing in verse 4. The Bible says that he, set, uh, that, that he sought God his, of his fathers and walked in his commandments. In the next chapter, in chapter 18, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, let's inquire of the Lord first before we make that decision. And whenever you make a habit out of seeking the Lord, whenever fear hits, you know the first place you're going. Whenever anxiety hits, you know where you're going. Whenever indecision hits, you know where you're going. Whenever you're hesitating, you know where you're going. You're going to the Lord because you've made it a natural rhythm of your life. And it's not natural for us. Many of us have made the natural thing to be to go to our friends and go to our cousins and go to our boss and go to somebody else that got the resources and the money. But God is like, why are you going all of those places? I'm a one stop, I'm a one stop shop. You come to me and I fix it all. Come to me and I can remove the fear. Let me make this more practical because I feel like we're, we're going, we're, we're too much in second Chronicles. Let, let's get into 2021. When you're about to make a big financial decision, here's what you need to do. Pause. Seek the Lord. I know that's deep. I know I, I got you. When you're, when you're about to get into that relationship, pause, 
Seek the Lord. When you're about to make a big life uh, changing decision, like where am I going to move or college or, you know, sometimes we just make those decisions like we just go with the wind. But every place I live, I want to be salt and light. So, God, where do you want me to be salt and light? Pause. Seek the Lord. When you're about to leave that job to start that business, pause and seek the Lord. When you're having those marital issues, pause and seek the Lord. Seeking the Lord has to be as natural to the Christian as breathing. Breathing. You, don't, you didn't think about that last breath you just did. You didn't, even, you didn't give it any thought. It's very natural for you. And that's how seeking the Lord has to be. But it takes discipline. It takes discipline. We have too many priorities. We, we have too many options. And God wants to be the only option. So Jehoshaphat in this text, his fear leads him to the throne of God. Not some human response. Speaking of discipline, watch what else he does here. Y'all still tracking with me? It says verse 3, Jehoshaphat was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. There's an and here. And proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He made the whole kingdom fast. He made everybody, not just him, everybody that's under my authority needs to fast. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Those of you who are new to the faith or just have never fasted before, it's a spiritual discipline that demonstrates to to God and ourselves that our relationship is fully dependent on God. That, that's what it, that's what it, you, when you're turning your plate down, when you're turning off social media and, and you're putting your phone away and you're getting time with God, it's helping you to gain a new renewed perspective of God's heart. That's what fasting does. When I look around, I get concerned. We live in a time, we live in a time Tosin, where too many people are moving through life as Christians and are never fasting. We're not fasting. Come on, man. This was a normal practice in the ancient times. You, I got a decision to make. Let me fast. Because what it does is fasting declutters your life. Do you know how much you've been on FaceTime this week? Do you know how much you've been on the phone? Do you know how much you've been on social media or on your work emails or whatever it is? I'm not saying fast from your work emails. That's get, you'll get fired. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying those extracurricular things that you do. How many of us need to move stuff out the way in order to fast? Because what fasting does is fasting doesn't get God on your page. It gets you on his page. It gets you to his heart. It gets you to his will. And it helps us to understand the very movement of God, which sometimes is very difficult to understand when you're just going through life. and You're moving fast. But don't get it twisted. Fasting ain't easy. Listen, your boy like to eat. I'm just, I like good food. I, I do. I like food. My, my wife would say it this way. I, I like food that's made with love. Not just food that's, th- food that's made with, I love food. And so fasting is not easy. Sometimes it takes accountability. Sometimes it takes a partner. But I want Epiphany Church to be that place where we make it very normal. You don't have to wait till the first week of the new year to get into solemn assembly like we do every year to fast. But I want it to be the place where we be like, girl, what you doing this month? We fasting at least three times this month. Bro, what your Monday's looking like? Every Monday for the rest of the summer, we gonna fast. That's what I'm hoping we would get to. But that it only happens when you're spiritually disciplined enough. And the question to me is, how bad do you want to make that decision? How serious are you about making sure that you're aligned to the very will of God? 
How serious are you about getting clarity on the next season of your life? Sometimes it takes fasting. and I don't know if this is prophetic or not, but I promise you somebody has been hesitating on a decision and you've been waiting on it and you've been holding it off and holding it off and you will not get the answer unless you pull back and fast and get time with God and get time with God over and over again in the scriptures. The Bible is replete with people who wanted decisions and needed direction and they pulled away and they fasted. David fasted when he pleaded for the life of his son in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16. Ezra proclaimed a fast when he asked God to give him safe journey in Ezra chapter 8. The city of Nineveh, the city, the whole city responded to Jonah's preaching, which was eight words by fasting and getting aligned with God. Fasting was a normal part in the Old Testament when people were anxious. We get anxious and the first thing we do is run to counseling and therapy and don't hear me. Listen, I had counseling this week. Everybody should be doing counseling. I'm just, I don't know how people go through life and not have somebody else that's asking them questions. And so listen, go to counseling. Go to therapy, but your first response needs to be, how do I get it in with the Lord? How do I connect with God? How do I, because it'll save you money. You won't have to do so many counseling sessions. Sometimes we just need to align ourselves with the Lord. The answer we are looking for, we're trying to get it from human response when it only can come from God. And far too often, when you look at Jehoshaphat, he doesn't talk to anybody. The only thing he does is get to the Lord. And then tell everybody else, y'all need to get to the Lord too. I need friends like that. I need, I need friends that's going to be like, girl, when the last time you fasted? But they ain't going to say that to me. They're going to say that to y'all. Bro, when the last time you fasted? When, when the last time you actually got with the Lord? And let me simplify this because I think what we do is we make fasting so hard. We, we make it so, it's so deep. Listen, you don't got to start. Jesus did 40 days. You don't got to start off doing 40 days. Day 20, you'll be looking like Pookie from New Jack City. I mean, just, just take it slow. and say somebody going, bro, no, nah, I'm, I'm doing 40. All right. But just start out somewhere. The, the, the point is to start out fasting. The, the point is to start exercising that spiritual discipline. The point is maybe for you, starting is just studying. What does fasting mean? We talked about Bible study methods, and one of the things we talked about was topical Bible study methods. Pick a topic, find everywhere in Scripture that that topic is mentioned, and study those passages. I encourage somebody this week that don't know what fasting is to get down and, and look and say, what can I fast? Tiffany, I said I needed to talk to you. That's one of the things I needed to talk to you about because I remember when you posted that thing where you were like, I'm getting in with the Lord, and I'm a fast, and that's what it's going to take to get decisions made. You've been held hostage by your fear. Your fear has got you at gunpoint. God is like, do you know how strong I am? Do you know how clear I am? You're trying to seek a decision that's going to affect your future. I'm in your future. I'm already there. I've already seen the decision and I can walk you through it. The Bible says, what Jehoshaphat does is he does a few things. I don't know if this is helping anybody, but Jehoshaphat was afraid, meaning the first part of his decision was understanding what emotion he had before he made the decision. That's so helpful for somebody. Understanding what are you feeling? If you're afraid, deal with that. Second thing it does is it leads him to seek the face of the Lord, not anybody else's opinion. The third thing it does is it makes them get everybody on around them on the fast. You, you connected to me, you got to fast too. 
But look at what this fasting does in verse number four. It says, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Are you seeing this? The invading armies are coming, and the city doesn't come together to try to figure out where the weapons are. They, that, that's not what they're doing. They're not coming together in fear. The Bible says they came together to seek help from the Lord. Wouldn't it be wonderful if those that were in your crew came together to seek help from the Lord? Your small group and your DNA and your discipleship group and collectively as a church, we came together to seek help from the Lord. Spiritual revival took place because one leader was bold enough to practice a spiritual discipline and encourage others to practice a spiritual discipline. I need you to read the rest of, of, of chapter 20. I don't have time to preach it. We got to be at the Restoration Plaza at one o'clock. I need you to read the rest of Second Chronicles chapter 20. Read the rest of it. Spiritual revival took place because they took time to set their face on the Lord. There's one decision that I really don't want you to be hindered in. So we're talking about decisions and making decisions. There's one decision that somebody's been on the fence about, and that's matters of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a decision you don't, you can't afford to hold off on that decision. Death is all around us. We never know our expiration date. We do not know when the Lord is going to come back. We do not know when he's going to check us out. And I'm not trying to be morbid, but the reality is we're one step closer today than yesterday. Tomorrow's not promised. And there's somebody that doesn't know him. They, they, you, you don't know him. You, you've been involved in religious activity. You, you know, you've been coming on the live stream and you, you come to service or you go to another church, whatever it is, but you don't know the Lord. You know church. You don't know the Lord. And you know God is calling you. You know God is chiseling at your heart. You know God is pursuing you. That decision needs to be made today. Why does it need to be made? Because over 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus got up on a cross. We can play something soft, Josh. A man named Jesus gets up on a cross, and he stretches wide, and he goes, he goes through six hours of agony willingly, not begrudgingly, willingly. Why? Because he knew that it would restore you. He knew that it would redeem you. He knew that it is the one thing that would bring true connection between a sinful man and a holy God. Picture that. A holy God that can't have any sin in his presence allows sinners, us, to be in his presence. That is nothing but a miracle. Greatest miracle is the cross. Don't get it twisted. I love the fact that people were healed from, from being blind and the lame were healed and a woman with the issue of blood was healed and people's daughters were raised back to life. All that is cool, but guess what? The people that were raised to life died again. The people that were blind and healed from being blind died. The greatest decision is when you accept eternal life. That's only found in Jesus. That decision needs to be made today. Whoever's on the, the chat monitoring, if you could just throw that number up. I, mean, I don't know if it's a prayer number or if it's the number for people to say, you know what? I heard that call today. He talked about decisions. I, I know that's one decision I've been, I've been hanging on to. And I, I've been worried about it because I don't like religion and organized religion. And everybody's a hypocrite. Forget all the excuses. You need Jesus. Trust me, you need him. You need him not just for heaven. 
You need them to go through life. This life is crazy. And I want to encourage you today to make that decision and don't hold it off because tomorrow's not promised. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this example that we have in King Jehoshaphat. In the midst of fear, he sought you. He encouraged others to seek you. And he practiced this ancient old spiritual discipline of fasting. Father, we live in such a non-fasting time. We live in a fast-paced life where we don't slow down and get with you. And I'm not just talking. I'm not. This is not me preaching above people. I'm preaching to myself. There are so many times, oh God, where decisions are made and we make them so quick and we're so impulsive and we're so quick and slow us down so that we can actually get before you so that you can teach us, you can encourage us, and you can show us. And oftentimes, oh God, I think we're looking for this climactic moment where you're going to audibly speak to us. But Father, sometimes you're speaking to somebody now. Somebody knows you are knocking on the door of their heart now. And so, Father, would they respond rightly to you? Because you are a wise king. You are a wise Lord. And you are gracious. In Jesus' mighty name, we give glory. Amen.